Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How are you doing, Trey? Well, I am really excited because I wanted to mention it last time we did our back-to-back episodes, but I didn't want to jinx it because I feel like I've been saying this for so many episodes. My mic problems are over. <laughs> and first first of all, sorry for everybody that's been putting up with the buzzing for since November, I think. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to mention it last podcast until after we went through two full episodes and nothing happened. And I can say definitively here, we are hopefully past the buzzing yeah. era of the podcast. Yes, I, I appreciate everyone that stayed with us. And thank you for understanding podcasting on a budget. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, what about you? How are you doing? <coughs> I'm doing... That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, I took a moment in there where you were talking, and I, I make this homemade peach brandy that I just love. And this and this batch is, might be my best batch that I've ever made. Um, but it... Uh, kind of went down the wrong pipe in that moment <laughs> when I took a sip. Uh, that couldn't have been poorly done. <laughs> well, it's like in the meta episode, I decided to get ice before I go to dock. Like, again, professional podcasting. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, you know, what was different today versus last Friday, I had, mm-hmm. I had students come up to me like, have you seen it yet? Well, I had coworkers as well, but this time even students were like, have you seen it yet? What'd you think? What'd you, you know, and I was able to say, yes, I got mm-hmm. up an extra hour early. I've seen it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's so great how many people, cause I mean, we we're in this space where we've made friends with people who are doing podcasts as well. <laughs> and you could just see all across our timeline where people are like, Oh, I got up early or I, I stayed yeah. up late to watch it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like, well, Leech. So you tweeted the time travel tweet. Uh huh. And like, Lee, like, does she sleep? Well, Leech responded, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> well, my understanding was that Leech was up with the baby at okay. three a.m. So right. that's hey, why. I've been that's there. why I have been there. So okay. <laughs> so in my like when I we, we talked about that scheduling that tweet, Leech was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll like it because I'll be up probably feeding the baby." <laughs> what I didn't realize is she was going to start watching the episode right then too. <laughs> Oh man! But no, it's it's really cool to me that your students were asking about the episode because I remember last time you were mentioning how bummed you were that none of them were yeah. asking about how it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's one particular that like every week for the Mandalorian. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? And like we're oh oh, it's so funny. I was having some tech issues and he was trying to help me, and I said, you know, are you sure this is going to work? He's like, look, if this doesn't work, I'll rewatch the new Star Wars trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) The highest of stakes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing is, is it didn't work. (laughs) So I was was able to come in. I was like, so how is the trilogy? (laughs) He's like, "Uh, (laughs) uh." yeah. So, so it was good. I'm excited. Yeah, That's really cool. Well, 
Another thing that we wanted to mention here at the top of the banter section of the podcast is that I had the opportunity to guess on Tara's podcast, There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and their latest episode about WandaVision, episode one and two. And it was really, really fun to get to go over there and, and, and discuss those two episodes as a whole with them. And you should totally check it out because we will definitely link it in our show notes below. Oh, yeah, and I listened to it as soon as it came out. It was a really good uh, y'all did a really good job with it. Yeah, thank you. That was it was so much fun to to get to do that with Tara. And I was surprised with the the turnaround because we recorded it, and then like I think a day later it was it was up, and I was so pumped because I saw it like pop up on my my phone. I was yeah. like, ooh. So definitely go check that out and, and more of their their episodes because they are really really good. All right, so now we're going to go ahead and jump into the bulk of our episode, which will be, of course, discussing WandaVision Season 1, Episode 3, titled Now in Color, which I find really interesting that we're finally getting titles for these, despite the first two episodes dropping with no titles. I know. I I don't know. I'll save that thought, but I, I don't understand it, but okay. Yeah, it, it's really, it almost has this feeling of like, wasn't ready and so now they're retroactively adding it but yeah because like I, I just the tie the titles themselves didn't really contain any spoilers Mm-mm, not at all yeah anyway so if you've listened to our first two episodes you'd know how we are going to be formatting this episode we're going to go ahead and talk about our pre-spoiler thoughts so if you haven't seen the episode yet and you just want to hear general consensus of what we thought this is going to be that section you'll hear an audio cue and then after that audio cue, we will be in the spoiler territory discussing anything in the MCU up to that point. So, with that being said, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? Okay, pre-spoiler thoughts. Uh, okay, so I got to be honest, I didn't, I didn't find it as I didn't enjoy it on my first watch as much as I first did the first two. Uh, yeah. And for me, there was this—I guess—our fear coming true for feeling. And that, okay, there's nine episodes. How are they going to do with the pacing? It felt like they were ramping it up really, really fast. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And and it will make sense once you get past our spoiler zone. But but I had that feeling. Um, yeah. But then the second time I watched it, and again, I watched it twice back to back before work, that had gone away. Like it, it was almost like it was a known. And so I was able to like set that aside and just kind of take it in for what it is mm-hmm. and and i really uh enjoyed it more that second time around mm-hmm. i've seen it three times by the way at this point uh what are um, your pre spoiler <laughs> <laughs> i'm on four um so <laughs> for me i think i'm right there with you uh we we've talked before about how the shorter episode links were going to be really disappointing and it Honestly, if it wasn't for, I believe, the final end section of this episode, I don't know if I would have walked away from it as high as I did. Um, Just because that link, the pressure of the link is starting to show. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that I was feeling is I don't know if this episode felt as connected to the era that is paying homage to as much as the first two episodes did. Okay. So, like, for example, in that first episode, that dinner party or the talent show in the second episode, that felt like a storyline that could only fit the the era that it was kind of playing in. Nothing really felt like it needed to be in the era this episode centered on, in my opinion. Right. And, And so... It almost felt unnecessary and not a distraction, but not as 
I don't know. This feels so negative, but I, I can't think of another way to say it. Not as inspired as the first two episodes were. No, that's a good way to put it. Because like mm-hmm. that that first episode, the the conflict due to the, their miscommunication uh-huh. of that evening, that's like straight out of like you said that era of television, right? And I I can see what you mean, where you just didn't get that feeling from that. Like stylistically, yeah, okay, I get that feeling. But for the most part, yeah, it just didn't feel as inspired from that as uh, as the first two. I agree with you. It's like what we talked about in Daredevil. Whenever we would see them do a flashback, mm-hmm. the, we would always talk about how, like, if you're going to do a flashback, there's got to be a reason for it. And generally, the best flashbacks are the ones that something we learned from it. Yeah. It feels like if you're going to pay homage to a certain decade, there should be something of worth there. And I don't know other than how great it all looked. If that came across, just to kind of round out that idea of what yeah. I was feeling. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're saying it uh, perfectly there. That being said, I, I still enjoyed it because of the way it ends. Uh, but if they don't start increasing the length or maybe picking up the pace a bit, I'm a little bit worried moving forward. Yeah, I think you were the one that told me that this is supposed to be the shortest episode. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's the case and that moving forward, we'll start to see the links increase a bit because it's always been the the case with shows like because I know the Mandalorian did it where the episodes at the beginning half of the season were shorter. And then as you got towards the end of the season where things are ramping up, that's when they would kind of spend their length a little bit more. Right. All right. Cool. Uh, Are there any more thoughts to get out before we jump into spoilers? No, I've I've almost slipped up a couple of times. I don't I don't know if I can contain myself. at this. (laughs) It's really hard. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we're going to play that audio cue. And on the other side of the audio cue, we will be spoiling it all. All right. We're back. So hopefully you heeded the warning. So one thing I want to say real quick, because I know we have listed out like the most important topics we want to talk about. One thing that I couldn't really talk about with the episode not playing to the strength of the decade, the 70s, that the only thing like contradictory to that I think was the opening the intro very much felt like a 70s show but it never really went more than that for me Uh, that was completely Brady Bunch oh 100% (laughs) yeah that was completely and I don't I don't really remember watching Brady Bunch growing up Uh uh-huh now I mean for when I was born like it I don't think I would have watched it you know what I mean? But like reruns and stuff like that. I don't remember ever gravitating to Brady Bunch. Uh, yeah. I know I've seen some episodes, but that mm-hmm. that one's not one that that just grabbed me. I've seen enough to feel what they're going for in this episode for that Brady Bunch feel, especially with the, the way the sets are or mm-hmm. even in the way like when Vision goes outside with a doctor and we see Herb that you could totally tell. It's just like mm-hmm. a a backdrop in the background, like that yeah. kind of feel of the Brady Bunch. Like yeah. that's what, that's what I picked well, yeah. up. From well, in the, in the house decorations as well, like in, in, mm-hmm. in the decor, um, you know, that was redundant, but like where you had the stairs, the staircase and it was kind of the open case. You had that area of the house at the front door. Then there was a step down. One wall was like stone. And then above it, you had the different colored glass. You know, that was very 70s, 60s, 70s feel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and that's what they were going for. Like, yeah, that late six, mid to late 60s, early 70s is what I'm thinking. Um, and the only reason why I'm pinning it there is because the end, uh, I'm just going to mention it. I know we're not going to 
dive into it just yet. But that end song by the Monkees, Daydream Believer, uh-huh. um, yeah. and and that's when they were that's when they were doing their thing from like 1966 to 71. So now that show I did watch regularly uh-huh. on reruns. So so in that sense, th- that song is kind of why I say that's the era they're going for. You know how I know. <laughs> Because I picked up the the WandaVision pop and it says Wanda 70s. That was the only way that I was able to. And it was the same get up that she was wearing yeah. with the fruit bowl and everything. Have you posted that on Instagram yet? Yes, I did. Have. That was okay. the one I posted last Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, one of the first important topics that we're going to tackle is honestly Wanda's pregnancy because that's a big part of this episode and I can actually tie it a little bit to the opening intro that we were talking about feeling like a Brady Bunch intro you know it's really interesting to me that we see almost this importance placed with keeping the pregnancy a secret because Vision tells the doctor to keep it on the down low and then a large portion of this episode is Wanda trying to hide from Geraldine that she's pregnant right I don't know if it's a slip up or if it's something that we was there for us to catch, maybe for like hindsight rewatches. In that intro, Agnes is shopping for baby clothes with Wanda and Vision checked out a book at the library on pregnancy and they specifically show a shot of Herb and I believe his name is Jones. I, uh-huh. I need to pin down his names because he's one of my favorites. But they were kind of like, they were like pointing to him in approval is almost like Vision confided in them for some point. Right, right. So I don't know if that's me reading into it, but for sure, Agnes was shopping with Wanda for pregnancy clothes. So I don't know. It, it feels weird that they would have that contrast of p- seemingly people new to, hey, let's keep this a secret. Well, I think the reason, I mean, given that, I think the reason why they had to keep it a secret is because of the rapid pregnancy, right? Like, like, uh-huh. uh, like I mean, she gave birth, what, nine months early. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that was part, I, I think he had the secret for two reasons. A, the whole, you know, coming to term early, but also I think it does in a weird way symbolize that the more Wanda and Vision or maybe just Wanda is in this reality or world, the harder it is to keep secret. Uh huh. You know, I mean, or the more obvious it is that they, that, that, something's amiss or, or they don't belong. Um, and, and I think, you know, it feels like they were also playing with that idea there as well. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I liked about this whole pregnancy section is we get a scene where Wanda and vision are setting up the nursery for where the child is going to be. And as visions reading a book, Wanda's setting up, you know, uh, like a butterfly mobile Mm -hmm. and, in that moment, those butterflies come to life. And the thing that I like about it, other than, the, you know, the general symbolism that butterflies have about change and like newborn life, yeah. is in Age of Ultron, the butterfly was the thing that tipped off the Avengers to what Ultron was trying to do, which was building Vision's body. Right. And we, I like that they're drawing that parallel there specifically because this episode ends with a pretty big moment where Ultron's name gets dropped and that's where things get heavy mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mentioned like the, that evolving, this turning into something new using the butterfly. I like that. That's a good that's a good catch. Honestly, one of the thing, my one of my notes, I think my daughter's had a similar crib and I just really? and I remember putting it together, taking it apart, 
and with three girls, putting it back together, whatever the third one, taking it apart, and then and then again with the third one. Uh, it, it wasn't. Ours was brown, and it was a Jenny Lynn crib. But the other thing I think is funny is my aunt and uncle use that for my cousins my on my dad's side, and I think both of them listen to the pod, actually, oh. now. And, <laughs> and so they grew up. Like, like they use that crib and then we ended up using it for our carols. Uh, so yeah. Um, but like, but yeah, like I, it, that's one of the things I think that stood out for me is like having been there and done that, putting together the crib, the nesting, I guess, getting ready, getting the house ready, uh, and, and, and stuff. And so like that kind of, that element really did draw me in. Another thing that they were doing that I really enjoyed is, well, it's hard to say I enjoyed it because the way this information was was doled out was much in the way that this show has been playing with sexism so far, where the doctor was like, you know, oh, we we relate terms of pregnancy to fruit because it's easier for the women to remember. And so that that sucks. But they used that throughout the episode to kind of show where Wanda was in pregnancy. And I didn't notice this until Leach pointed it out to me. But throughout the different parts of the episode, Wanda ha- is holding fruit at first with the grapefruit, which I think was supposed to be five months. Right. Um, then she had pineapple. And then there was one other one that I can't remember. I, I wrote that down on a paper note. I forgot to bring it in here. But uh, I thought that was cool. That little visual indicator that they kept going throughout the entire episode. Oh, OK. So when they were hiding under the table from the rain, you know, the, the uh-huh. water broke on the table in the fruit basket was two papaya in the bowl. Twins. And that was and that was the final fruit, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the final fruit. Uh huh. You know, so the yeah, final so like fruit. that sounds so ominous. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the final was the the honeydew melon, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it yeah. was. It was second in, to in final. the chain of things. Now, I did make a note of that too on the on the mm-hmm. on the sexism of this whole. I said it, it and I said it's interesting because, and I get the element of like, okay, this is the era, and we're gonna make fun of it, right? Because mm-hmm. even like he says it, Wanda has her look to vision. When the doctor does the same thing about Geraldine being a good nurse, Wanda has the look at Geraldine, you know, the same thing. Uh huh. But okay, if this is Wanda's world mm-hmm. and she's creating it, it makes me wonder why add that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. like there's the, there's the level of like the creators and the, an awareness of making fun of that era and us as an audience getting that. But right. if I want to imagine like that's a real world for a second and she's creating it, I do find it interesting that that's something that's included in that world. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, again, more some of the stuff we speculated about what actually is going on. Is she mm-hmm. using memories of old TV shows growing up to create this reality? And so that was in it. And so it shows up. You know, it, it is just, you know, trying to think of it from that perspective. Why would that happen? You know, right. Uh, with this, with, and again, in this episode with the same character twice. Well, it, it's like a twofold problem because you, you, you brought it up perfectly. Like, yes, the writers are bringing it up to comment on it, which until this season finishes, we don't know what commentary they're making on it because they haven't resolved it yet. But within the narrative of Wanda's creation, why would that be in there? And I think to play off that idea you put forward, could this be an indicator that there is more opposing forces to Wanda than we are are giving credit for? That is not all mm-hmm. solely Wanda's creations. Is these little nods to sexism somehow clues that we it's not just Wanda? 
that that's where my speculation is leading with that inclusion. And again, it goes back to once we see the season finish, if they find a way to resolve that, because otherwise it's just invoking it without really having anything to say on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we clearly know, I feel like at this point, what Wanda's experiencing isn't what we said we're going to call the MCU. And so it's fair game to speculate on pretty much anything, uh-huh. you know, and because it's not in the MCU, it's not real. So in, in that way, I think you're dead on to say it's quite possible that that's, you know, whoever's pulling the strings, let's say it is not Wanda and she's being manipulated. That's a part of that makeup there. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing, and, and I want to pair this with my pre-spoiler area. What, what I was saying is like, uh, I felt like they had to run through the pregnancy very quickly to get mm-hmm. Wanda to that point to move on to the next episode. Like, Hey, we got to get this plot line going. So this episode is just going to be about, hey, let's get through the pregnancy as fast as possible. Right. And, and because of that feeling, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as in the first watch as much as I did in the second watch. Mm-hmm. What I did like though, is how they were able to use like her powers to kind of mark the, her, her change and hormonally right. and all through the pregnancy of like, you mentioned the butterflies. She's like, did I do that? You know? And then when she tries the, the breathing, you know, for, for the Braxton Hicks contractions there, you get physical reactions in the house or when she actually goes into labor, physical reactions in the house, the water breaking that you get the rain, you know, I, so I really liked how they were able to visually let us know beyond just, Oh, look, stomach got bigger and vision pointed it out, you, you know? Right. And so I really liked how they were able to track that through um, and yeah. I got a huge kick out of the breathing thing where she tried the breathing and she's like, nope, still feel it. Um, <laughs> you know, o- only because like, you know, I'm, I'm just imagining and I don't know what it was like there. I know what it was like for my wife and I and the pain medication that you can get now that many women choose. I'm sure, the, you know, the, the breathing helps. But like, I think it's OK if I say this. My wife, my wife, I remember saying is like, no, I'm going to have the best drugs insurance can buy. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like we have, you know, so, um, so yeah, I'll take, I'll text you if we have to cut that part out, but yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be waiting on that text. All right. <laughs> uh, no, something I just remember that I wanted to bring up you know, kind of in a similar vein to that is, you know, you, you, you illustrated how we saw a lot of Wanda's powers manifest as she got more distressed due to the pregnancy, like things flickering on and off and things moving here and there. Something that I found really interesting is leading up to this episode, so much of this has been about them concealing their powers, specifically vision, because I pointed out how it's weird that it never gets questioned on Wanda's part. But we start to see that a little bit more here where she's trying to keep incognito as well. The thing that I like that they were doing intentionally or not is as it came to the baby being delivered, they let go of that feeling of having to hide their powers for the baby. So we saw how when Geraldine was there helping Wanda deliver the baby, you know, everything was going on and 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 Geraldine was kind of not giving it too much attention, but she calls it out and Wanda just is like, you know, this is fine. That that one's a little bit easier to group with like, well, clearly she's in distress. She doesn't have control of what's going on. But Vision was perfectly fine with high speed running with the doctor. Yes. And yes. so, again, to, to me, that shows a choice 
on their part that in that moment, the kids were more important to them than that fantasy that they're trying to hold on to. But that makes me question if the fantasy is fine with their powers being revealed, then what was all that secrecy for if that reality was never threatened by them being exposed? It's interesting. I have a similar note. Uh-huh. And it's a little bit more subtle, I think. And I don't know why I didn't pick yeah. up until this. How has no how has no one commented on the name Vision? Yeah. Like like, like, just as his first name, Vision, you know, mm-hmm. um, well, you would think that stands out like, I don't know. Well, the only thing that may, just to play devil's advocate here, they call him Mr. Vision, implying last name. And so maybe it just gets swept under the rug as like, oh, you know, that's their last name. I, I, they always, they already made, it's like, oh, you know, how European or whatever. So that could be what they're doing. But yeah, like, cause I, I remember, you know, first episode, she answered the phone, said vision residence. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they all call him vision. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's just, it, it's just interesting to me that nobody questions that name, mm-hmm. but, but you're right. I, I mean, to me, that's a little bit more subtle, but you're a hundred percent right in the sense of like, clearly they were fine with, in this, in this case, instance, you know, well, like you said, the running and then saving Dr. Uh, Mr. Hart and having to use powers. Uh-huh. Um, and they weren't worried about hiding that. Yeah. To me, at least in the in the Hart's case, it shows that they're still making the right choice to sit, to be heroes. They save Mr. Hart's life. And then in this episode, it really shows, you know, real or not, whatever these kids, kids end up being, that that love is real that they have for it. That it was more important to them to to risk their secrecy than to just let things go to the wayside. Right. Okay, so the interaction Vision had with Herb at that point, right after the doctor left, and Herb starts, you know, cutting through the brick wall. Uh-huh. Um, at the very just to set the stage at the very beginning of the episode. Yeah, at the very beginning of the episode. Yeah. What I find interesting is like there's the laugh track and it's clearly supposed to be funny. Uh-huh. I didn't find it funny. Okay, but at the same time, neither did Vision. Like I think Vision's reaction was was intentionally similar to the to the viewers. Like it it was this weird unsettling of like I hear the laugh track, and that's typically the cue of I'm supposed to be laughing, but I wasn't, and and neither was Vision. And so that kind of goes back into this agency or awareness vision is either has or starting to gain within this world. That's going to segue nicely into our next point, which is the visions agency. But before we leave this section, uh, I do have one more thing that I want to wrap up, which was when they were in the nursery and they were preparing it. Vision has a quote that I really liked because they were talking about naming the children and Vision wanted to name them Billy short or a nickname for William Shakespeare. Right. And he says specifically This quote, all the world's a stage, all the men and women, merely players. Again, I know it's not obviously subtle, but it is worth noting to to keep in mind. Like, it's almost this cruel irony that Vision's here saying this and not realizing how true that actually is. Right, right. Well, and even the other name, Tommy, and her reasoning, it's just a good old American name. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it was interesting to me that the, the Wanda's reaction for Tommy and the reason why just this this good old or, you know, American name or, or basically the fact that she said it that way. Like there's this clear sense of like wanting to blend in. We we mentioned what are the possibilities of calling it Westview and mm-hmm. her being 
you know, growing up in Sokovia and having this is my view of or what I think Western American culture is. And and that's what I'm trying to create, you know. And so to continue with that, we're going to use Tommy Mm -hmm. in the comic. You know, her kids, Tommy and Billy, are Wicked and Speed, part of the Young Avengers. Right. So, yeah. And so playing off what you were saying about the children, the the hero being Speed, something that I haven't been able to kind of figure out why they're doing this yet is throughout these first three episodes, it seems like they have made a big emphasis on Vision having quick speed. But in the movies, I never remembered him being billed as a speed character. Like he's been fast, but not to the point that they've illustrated it here in this show. For example, they the episode one, when they were talking about the calendar, she goes, I can move things with my mind and you can move super quick. Why do we abbreviate? Right. That doesn't feel like vision to me. And I, I'm, I'm waiting to see why there's an emphasis on that, because so far, other than that comic connection to the kid, I haven't found a reason for it. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. Like uh, Age of Ultron, they showed off his speed when he saved Wanda. Yeah. Remember, because Sofcovius from the from the air started falling and uh-huh. to simulate speed, it's all in slow-mo and he's flying through the debris, gets Wanda, mm-hmm. flies out. That's the only time I remember them showing off his speed. So just to kind of like fine tune my question more again, like I don't doubt that he could be a right. fast person. They've just never like it, it. It's not been a point of emphasis. The point of emphasis before has been. The the instru- indestructibility, you know, and mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, he's made from phasing. what vibranium, yeah, um, and and his phasing. Well, I wonder if there's any element to it where you mentioned he used that super speed to save her in Age of Ultron. If again, playing with that idea of how things are like subconsciously implanted into this reality, mm-hmm. if that's a connection, obviously a pretty big connection for them at the start. If that's like. Because that's such a strong memory of vision for Wanda, then that's what comes out through this reality the most. Yeah. Now I said he's made of vibranium. I don't now I'm second guessing myself on that one. No, because that was the whole point of Ultron dealing with Claw, right? Because Claw had all the vibranium for him to build the body. Yeah, but I thought his body was vibranium at the end. Or I just gonna have to do a rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll say this. That's why he turns gray in Infinity War when the stone's gone, because he's all vibranium. Okay. Okay. I'll buy it. Watch I'm wrong. I sound so convinced, and watch I'm wrong. I'll buy it. Again, rewatches are coming. Yeah. What a a tragedy. (laughs) So another thing that uh, I really want to zone in here in this Visions Agency section is something that is one of the bigger moments in this episode where... Vision starts to question everything that's happening, and he's so concerned to the point that Wanda starts to get concerned as well. And then just like the beekeeper, we see a reset in the universe, and Vision's no longer concerned about what's going on. And I really think that's tipping their hat about what Vision is or isn't, because if this is Wanda's perfect reality, why would Vision start to question the reality of it unless he had some sort of agency on his own and the ability to question what's going on. Yeah. So, okay, so I think you're right on that because we've already mentioned in the other episodes the characters who don't have agency. Well, you mentioned like that that whole, some characters feel like NPCs uh-huh. and other characters feel like they have the opportunity to ask questions and make choices. 
Right. And when that happens, Wanda, things start to go haywire. What I found interesting about that is when Vision started to suspect something's wrong, like this is her husband who she's creating this life like for and with, uh, maybe so much with and not for now, actually, as I think this through. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even Vision isn't allowed to have choice when it comes to this. Yeah. You know, it's like if it doesn't fit the narrative, not even Vision gets to, you know, have have that ability. Again, to just hammer that point home, it's not it's not just an, enough to note that he can't have it because it gets reset. It's important that he has the choice at all. And the thing that 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 I think they did such a great job of setting the stage for that at the beginning was when the doctor was questioning about like, oh, well, how long are you? Are you about four months? And Wanda was saying yes, and Vision was saying no. And yeah, it's like a, a humorous moment because like, oh, you know, the couple, they can't agree on what's going on. But right there, then and there, that is a clear division in the... Uh, I, I know we keep using this. I feel like it's going to be a, a repeated word throughout the season, but a clear division in the agency between the two characters. Oh, yeah. Well, even before that moment, when they're shaking their head and yes and no, and they're sitting on the couch, I don't remember the conversation, but Vision is about to, it, it was right there. It was like before he asked, how did this happen? And he said something, and I didn't even notice it in the first watch, but Wanda had his, or Wanda had her hand on his leg, and he squeezed, and she squeezed it really tight and then he changed directions in that conversation with the doctor. Uh, I didn't notice that. I'm going to have to go back and see. Yeah, like I I didn't notice it. Honestly, I didn't notice it till the third watch when Uh when I went, you know, screen size matters, I guess, when I went from my phone to the iPad (laughs) and and, and then I noticed it's like, oh, like he's, the the reason why he changed wasn't a stumbling. It was like she squeezed his leg and, and forced that change. Something else I noticed going through my notes at the end, when Vision comes running back in looking for Geraldine, yeah, he immediately shifted back to himself. So, like, he didn't. It didn't matter to him to be discovered in that moment either. Not just running fast with a doctor, right? You know, because like he goes in specifically looking for Geraldine. Where's Geraldine? And shifts back to his 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 normal self. And we've already seen them place an importance on that because Wanda straight up asks him when the babies are born, um, or when Billy's born. I'm sorry. When Tommy's born, she goes, don't you want to meet him as yourself? And then he flips to without the human disguise. Right. So that it, it's on the writer's mind how important that distinction is. So, yeah, I think you're spot on calling that out. Yeah. So, again, we're, we're starting to question whether or not Vision is capable of his own decisions or if he's even real. Just as much as they're giving us to start to believe that he is. I found it so interesting that whenever they had the second contraction, I believe, and uh, Wanda's very distressed, we start to see more things around the house start to move, including Vision, who levitates almost seemingly out of control. Like, I mean, he's poised, but it's not until Wanda helps him calm down that he comes back down to the ground. Yeah. And so... As much as they've linked everything else going haywire to Wanda being in distress, it's, again, worth noting that so did Vision. Because I, I just don't understand why else he would have levitated in that moment unless it's just supposed to be like a nod into, hey, something's not right. Yeah. Well, I mean, OK, so there's 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 two things. There is playing into this idea of when the sympathy pains or whatever a husband might have. Or feel uh-huh. now to the extent that someone believes that that's the case or not, that that actually happens, 
Okay, we'll leave that to the side. But the idea of like, my wife is experiencing this. I feel this pain is as well. Um, clearly, it's not the same. You know, having gone through it with three kids, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you do. You have that 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 sympathy and empathy of like, oh, okay. And so uh, I don't know now if that's what they were trying to show, or like you said, Wanda is he. She's the reason he levitated and he didn't really have a choice in it yeah so moving on to our next point uh another thing that i think is worth discussing is everything revolving around geraldine and her interaction with wanda and ultimately being rejected from the reality so something one of the first things that i noticed in this altogether is that when geraldine arrives at the house her reasoning for coming over is that she wanted to borrow a bucket and by the time things start to really kick off, right after the interaction with the stork and right before discovering that one is pregnant, her story changes to, oh, I got promoted. I was going to come borrow some supplies. Do y'all still have some in the spare room? Right. And it's, it's, it's again, it's these inconsistencies that I'm trying to keep track of because I think it gives us a clue into what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's. Yeah, I just I thought it was worth pointing out that her story changed within that moment. Yeah. Well, she needed a reason to get around the house, right? Comes in, I need a bucket. Wanda goes to get it. She goes, I'll come help you. Wanda says no. She gets the bucket by following her in there. And then, so she's accomplished the bucket, but now she gives herself a reason to see another room in the house. And I guess that plays into she was on her way out and she was like, oh, you know, one more thing. And then she came back into the living room to try and tell the story. So clearly she's buying time to stay in the house. And I think that's a good bridge between these two points that I was pointing out. So, yeah, I think you're right that that it's not so much her story is changing because the reality is not consistent, but it's changing because Geraldine has a, for lack of a better way to put it, a mission and she's stalling. Right. Now, so what I'm curious about, my note here, and I'm just going to Daredevil style this and read it. Um, (laughs) And if you don't understand what I mean, listening to the pod, we have 13 episodes going through Daredevil where we read straight from notes sometimes. Uh, (laughs) So I wrote, Geraldine needed Wanda to bring up the outside world first before she could mention about uh, Quicksilver being killed by Ultron. Right. Now, I don't know if I agree with that. The word needed here is because because originally when I wrote that, I was thinking like literally in order for Geraldine, like almost in a very physical way, be able to say that in Wanda's world, Wanda had to bring it up first. Like that's because she brought it up first. There's like a permission that she can now bring it and there's like some kind of physical barrier where she couldn't, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now I don't know if I think it's that literal anymore, and if it's li- if it's just Geraldine's on a mission, and because Wanda brought it up, here's my way in. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes 100 percent sense. You know, and and part of me feels like it's the needed element because because we see how much control Wanda has on this world, or even if it's not Wanda, whoever's controlling it. It's pretty locked down, you know. Um, well, honestly, if Wanda's not controlling it, it's clearly two entities vying for control over this world. Yeah. And and so in, in that way, Geraldine might not be able to do everything she would like to do with while in that world without permission. So so that's why I said needed. But now it might just be mm-hmm. I'm, you know, overlooking or overthinking that. So I'll go ahead again. 
taking that daredevil approach, I'll read my note. This is what I originally wrote down. Geraldine and Wanda both remember MCU-related memories. And so when I started to watch that again for my second and third time, and I just... I can't make heads or tails because at first I was really under the pressure that Geraldine got cocky and thought that, you know, hey, here's Wanda. She's opening up about like, I was a twin. She's starting to bring in elements from the outside world in almost this lucid fashion that she hasn't before. Uh And so I, I took it as like Geraldine got cocky and she's like, here's my chance to snap Wanda out of whatever's going on. So she tried to pull out a little bit more information, but that backfired. Yeah. Yeah. On multiple occasions, I mean, I'm sorry, on multiple rewatches, there's something about the way Geraldine is almost remembering that information that it feels like what you were saying that because almost like there was this threshold that was crossed they were able to remember more because there is this sense that Geraldine is not, I don't know how to say it. It's its like that information is just coming to them. It wasn't something that came in there with premeditated action. Right, right. Yeah, and I got that feeling too, just because the the way it was acted out, it was like a slow memory coming back. Yeah. So another reason why I'm starting to feel like this was Geraldine getting cocky is because after they had that moment, you know, Wanda starts to push back by when she goes, what did you say? After she mentioned that Ultron killed her brother and Geraldine kind of almost tries to slip back into that programming, so to speak. And uh-huh. it was really interesting to me that Geraldine tries to, to like, oh, no, everything's fine. You know, I can take turns, you know, watching the kids. And she immediately goes back and sits on the couch and tries to make herself comfortable and like at home much the way Agnes did in episode one. Mm-hmm. But Wanda wasn't buying any of it. Right. And you you can tell because Wanda's accent is coming through all this, her Sokovian accent. And it's just like, from that point forward, Wanda didn't buy into it anymore. And that 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 whole interaction reads to me as somebody who knows they have slipped up and they're course correcting. And clearly we know it didn't work. Well, I mean, to add to that, every other time we see Wanda lose kind of that I don't know how else to, how else to describe it except bubbly kind of tone of voice and all you know sitcommy tone of voice uh-huh she she snaps back to it very quickly this time she didn't like even when vision came back and she's looking over the kids she still had that 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 serious tone yeah so while we're still here in this Geraldine section something else I wanted to zone in on is you know a large bulk of that scene dealt with the stork kind of trying to come in while Geraldine was telling her story and Wanda was trying to shoot away. Clearly, there's obvious connections between pregnancy and the stork, you know, that story about how the stork brings the kids. But there's something to it that I couldn't really figure out what they were trying to do. Because that first, as you're going through it for the first time, it really feels like, oh, Wanda's scared that this is the reality kind of going haywire. And if Geraldine sees this, then the, the, the jig is up. But there's something about the way the stork was moving that it felt like the stork was trying to remain secret as well. And the 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 point of contact comes when the stork is pointing towards the Geraldine's pants, which have the fish design on it. Again, first time through, it's like, oh, you know, he's an animal. He sees the fish. That's who he's going for. But it feels like because you can almost have this fishy nature, like something wasn't right with Geraldine, that the stork was pointing that out. It even goes so far as to whenever they move into the nursery, the stork puts itself up against the wall as though it's trying to be secretive too. So there's this feeling that the stork is on Wanda's side, even though Wanda was trying to shoo it away at first, that it's really interesting to me. Like what what was the 
not not that I don't understand the purpose because I know it's trying to help, but what is the purpose of that within the reality itself? Right. You know, it's almost like the Stork knew Geraldine was an outsider and was trying to tip Wanda off. Yeah. Well, you know what? And sometimes the fish is just blue. <laughs> I knew I knew that as soon as I wrote that fishing part down, I was going to get some pushback on that. That's why I was trying to like connect it to the wall. Uh, but no, but yeah, well, the only reason why I said that is because because our usual reference is sometimes the curtains are just blue. And this yeah. time the fish was literally blue. Uh, no, I'm with you. Like, I'm not sure. OK, so in the three watches, I got three different things out of that that sequence. So the first time the storks are there and I'm like, okay, this is just, my first thought was, okay, this is just her, her magic going off again that she can't control. And, Uh and it shows like when she's trying to get rid of the storks and can't, but then I thought like the stork almost just like brushes the magic off with the wave. of Yeah. uh, Yeah. And so, and so like, that was my first impression of it in the first watch. And, and and then I thought, well, no, 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 this is representing her kids and those times when like, you know, as a parent, you're like having a conversation with somebody and the kids keep like pulling on your arm, trying to talk to you in the middle of the conversation. And you're like, shh, mm-hmm. shh, go away. Wait your turn. You know, raise your hand. <laughs> you know, like, like, like that element of, of there. And so like, then I had that feeling of it. And the second watch, my thought was back to the magic. But then I thought, no, 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 the, the stork on the wall came alive. And like came off yeah. the wall and was moving around. But in that third watch, as you said, he like the the stork mirrored the painted stork to try to hide itself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so it didn't come off the wall. So like, I'm with you. Like I don't understand. I didn't even notice the blue fish on the pants until it was yeah. the close up. Uh-huh. And and I I think you're right. Like you don't put blue fish on the pants. Yeah. And do a close up like that without wanting us to get something from it um mm-hmm. and i think your guess is better than mine because like i just for some reason focused in on the kid the mat the kids the magic and why wasn't that magic effective in trying to shoo it off for me so just to 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 elaborate a little bit more on why you know because again fishy pants is a choice like that is a conscious choice on the people making the show And everything so far about my understanding of this reality is people from the outside have found a way to enter because we know Geraldine is from the outside because she gets rejected. And my understanding is whenever something from the outside enters into the world, it's almost like the reality will code them in a way that it feels it's best to represent whatever era is currently the dominant era in the reality. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like the beekeeper that's a red flag. The fishy pants, that's a red flag. Right. So even if the person entering doesn't know that that's what they're being codified as, like that's the reality trying to alert Wanda. And so that's why I was like, yeah, I know this is curtains just blue, but there's got to be some significance to it, even heightened by the fact that the 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 stork was in on it as well. Yeah. No, no, no. I think you're right. I, I, I like that connection to say, okay, this is, you know, something's not right here. It's fishy. I, mm-hmm. I do like that connection just cause you don't, like you said, you don't make that choice without trying to convey something. I'm just not sure mm-hmm. I've picked up yet on what they're wanting to, to convey beyond, Hey, Geraldine doesn't belong here. Um, yeah. you know, and, and you had that scene with Agnes and Vision where, and I know we're not a hundred percent talking about that just yet, but I do want to mention where Agnes finds a way to let Vision know Geraldine isn't from there. She doesn't have uh-huh. a home. She doesn't belong. Um, so just in case, like you haven't got yet, we're just going to outright tell you with Agnes. You know, that, that, 
let's just go ahead and bridge because our next point was going to be that Agnes and Herb discussion. So even if we still have more things to talk about with Geraldine, these scenes are happening like in between each other. So I'm going to go out here with you because I have a note about that specifically where you mentioned Agnes reveals that Geraldine specifically has no family, no husband and no home. And yeah, that's to illustrate like what we're supposed to pick up in those scenes beforehand. But if you remember, those are the exact questions that are asked of Wanda in episode one. Right. And even even the husband question two, because she goes, oh, you know, what's a single lady like you doing in this house? So right there, Agnes was questioning Wanda. And now we know that's a that's that's the question of the validity of the person within the reality. Right. Because, you know, if they don't have an answer, then they don't belong there. So that almost makes me feel like if at some point Wanda was an outsider to this reality, because there's almost this connection that that Wanda and, and Geraldine are sharing, even specifically in the way they meet in episode two, where they have they just kick it off right off the bat. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, that that's a good catch to say she doesn't have these things. We start off with establishing Wanda has these things. Or, well, not that Wanda has these things, but Wanda was quick enough on her feet to say, oh, yeah, I'm married. I have this. And, you know, and kind of build her story. Mm -hmm. Man, what if, oh, that's you you using the uh, Wanda was quick enough on her feet to build the story. What if this has all been a red herring so far to make us believe that Wanda is conjuring all this because she wants this reality? What if this is some situation where when people enter, the reality warps to what they want the most and it weeds out people based on that question. But because Wanda, like you said, was quick on her feet, we're just seeing what her biggest desire is, but she is just the most capable to keep going through whatever the situation is. We're just seeing it play out because she keeps being quick on her feet. I think you are more spot on than you realize. Because it's got to be, it's got to be a red herring, right? Everything is so obvious. Right. Not obvious, but it's like, it's so in your face and they're wanting us to believe Wanda's the villain, Look, at, but maybe that's not. At one point today, yeah. I was, I, I had the thought of like, Mephisto's not going to be in this. Yeah. Because like you said, it's so overtly obvious. Uh-huh. Yeah. And again, just to clarify, you and me both, you got me there with the Wanda being quick on her feet. <laughs> so... <laughs> but no and, okay so you're right it's obvious you know i had the thought mephisto no way he's in there because of how obvious they're making it yeah so, yeah so it's it's just and here's where i say you're more right than i think you realize there's an element in god do do i want to tell you this because it's it's more comic book knowledge and i might want to hold off on this and let's let's if it's comic book knowledge i say Let's hold off for a bit, just because I know there's probably people listening who don't have the comic book knowledge. All right. And so let's try and let's try and speculate as much as we can within what the text is so far. Cool. So let's put a pin in that. <laughs> so, all right. So we'll put a pin in that. Okay. So it's the old, it's the old thing that we've been bringing from the YouTubers. Spoilers if we're right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Just back, getting back on track. I think we're wrapping up the Geraldine being rejected uh, section and moving into the Agnes and Herb. There's two things I want to point out before we move on fully. One, I really like what they were doing because we've already seen there's been a lot of religious illusions in the in you know with devils in the details and stuff like that. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Geraldine was eating an apple right before being rejected from the quote unquote paradise. Yeah. And so I thought that was a nice connection. Yeah. And then two, when we ever, whenever we see her rejected from the reality, I thought it was interesting that she retained the clothes from inside. And I wonder if that's the case where Geraldine went in dressed that way 
or whenever you get rejected from the reality, you keep what you're wearing, which indicates that this is, despite being a projection, it, it has real effects. Right. So, okay. So I took it as that's what she wore going in. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and for no other reason than that's how I took it. I did find it interesting that when she hit the ground or, or coming out and she hit the ground, she was, she was, it looked like she was wearing red and then it shifted. And so we've yeah. had that theme of red, you know, and for Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. And I do like how it felt like it looked like she's breaking through an old tube style television. Mm-hmm. And then when they did the wide shot and you see the big lights, you have that little, like the lines of resolution that you get in an old tube style television kind of flickering in the yeah. background. I loved it. Now, there, there's one little bit of speculation on that from, from a student. Yeah. I'm going to credit a student. Knowing who Geraldine is, right, in, in terms of like that is Monica Rambeau. You know, from the the little girl from Captain Marvel. Uh huh. And what? And all I say, also say this is is I do wonder. He asked me, is the reason she can get into that reality because of her powers? I don't know the answer to that. Only because we don't mm-hmm. know within the MCU what her powers are, right? And how she got them. But that's something I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out, and if that's how she is getting in. Uh-huh. Then I will actually kind of rethink that that scene right there, at least visually. What's funny is if that's the case that um, Geraldine was able to get in because of her powers. Uh, as a joke, I think half joke, half serious. When I was watching the the second episode with my friend Nedge, she said, "What if the Beekeeper's Ant Man, and that's just how the reality is reworking his powers?" <laughs> and so that'd be really funny if that's what ends up being the case. Oh, I don't, so I don't think it's Ant Man, but the, kind of that theme of like the powers get you in. Yeah, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> All right, so I think we're coming to the next point, which is the Agnes and Herb discussion, specifically as because they're cutting in and in and out of. Geraldine and Wanda having their confrontation where Geraldine revealed the Ultron line and caused Wanda to be suspicious. And on the outside, Vision is talking to Agnes and Herb, who are very increasingly concerned about the fact that Geraldine is inside. Uh, The thing that I took away from this is Agnes and Herb are clearly working together. Right. We already had some sort of suspicion that Agnes is our antagonist and has some stakes in keeping the reality going. If she's confident in speaking about the concern of Geraldine to Herb, then I imagine there has to be some sort of partnership there. But what I can't make heads or tell of is if that's the case, then why did Herb give Vision the gum and risk mucking up everything in episode two? Oh man. Because that feels that feels contradictory in goals. Right. It does. Um hmm. I have a I have a theory, but I wanted to give you a chance my, if my, you got something. My first guess is they were testing them to see if they can fit or stay, right? Like there's that feeling uh-huh. out period of asking the questions, do you have the family? Do you have this? Okay, check, check, check. And and kind of this is the way to find out why is this guy kind of weird? You know, and let's kind of feel it out. That's that's my impression of it, of why to do that. You know, otherwise, it feel, in that context, it feels like the only reason why you give him the gum is to get the really funny drunk vision. Well, it's the way that it's framed in episode two where you get a shot of just Herb. It's like, hey, man, have some gum. And then it cuts back to the wide of everybody. Yeah. And so it, it singles him out for a purpose. Yeah. Well, and if and if we're going by that logic and saying like, 
the the gum had a larger purpose than just that, then you also have to to think that the pat on the back was intentional. Yep. To to swallow the one hundred percent. You know. Yeah. So so for me on that scene, like the, the thing that I couldn't shake off was just what Herb was trying to say in the look Agnes gave him of just this mm-hmm. complete fear. Yeah. Of like you can't. It, you know, and then and then just Catherine Hahn being amazing, turning back and being back to normal, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote normal. Yeah. So like it, it's so that moment was really, really the one that that stuck with me. What was he going to say? Nothing makes you more afraid than seeing the person you're afraid of be afraid. Yeah. And that's what happened with Agnes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my thought here was like, oh, he's going to say because they're all dead. Mm-hmm. And, and the only reason why I thought that is because vision is dead. And so I thought so that that's why I thought that. All right, here's my theory. Because I said it felt like there are contradicting goals between Agnes and Herb with the whole gum situation. However, my guess is it is pertinent to both of them to keep the reality running, but for whatever reason, they need to split Wanda and Vision. So that's why we see Herb give Vision the gum, pat him on the back, tried to muck it up, and that was supposed to cause chaos. On top of that, Up until that point, we have only seen Agnes with Wanda, never when Vision's around. And it always felt like Agnes was coaching her up for whatever reason. And so, yes, we did have that one scene where Agnes appears with the pineapple during the dinner party. But it was so brief that it didn't have that same feeling of coaching that Agnes has done so far. And so if that's the case and their goal is to split up Vision and Wanda... It makes sense to me that that concern that they were having wasn't because they were actually concerned, but they were they were planting the seeds of doubt for vision because they were for as as a as I was saying about, you know, nothing makes you more afraid than being seeing the person you're afraid of be afraid Uh on a different watch through there. There was almost this intentional feel like they were doing that on purpose to get vision suspicious and then. Specifically, Agnes points out to the fact that Geraldine has no home. Vision goes inside and he's like, where's Geraldine? Wanda lies to him and says, oh, she had to go home. He knows that's not true. Right. And we're seeing them be split apart right there. Right. Right. That's really nice. That's a really nice theory. And to go out just a little bit further, if for whatever reason they need to split Wanda and Vision, there's nothing more of um, a merging of them two than the representation of what those babies mean to them. And I think that's what, that if this is true, that Wanda's in here and fighting against the reality, despite we're seeing it as what she quote unquote wants, that what bigger test than to have to refute that between Vision and Mm -hmm. her is those kids. Mm -hmm. This show's going to break our heart, man, and I'm not ready for it. (laughs) It is, it is. Okay, so I wrote, I jotted down three theories. Yeah, between last Friday and before this episode came out. So these series uh-huh. are before this episode came out. And so one of them after this episode, I'm like, okay, it's not, this is terrible theory. I'm going to say it anyways. And then one of them for sure, I'm still kind of thinking, oh, this might be the thing, the case. First one is Agnes is trapped in this reality and wants Wanda to replace her so she can escape. Uh huh. You know, again, that's going off to the first two episodes. You know, because like she's telling her Dottie, she's trying to get her to get in good with Dottie, right? The next theory is uh, taking the Red Scare, Communists, Sokovia. All the people in the town are either from her past, literally, or some representation from her past. 
Right. Uh-huh. So it's all figment of imagination. The last one, the one I like the most is Wanda is all the characters except those that come in from the outside. Uh huh. Like Wanda is Agnes. Wanda is Herb. Wanda is Mrs. Hart. And the ones that are entering in from the outside in some way are a threat. So she has to either kick out or the ones that are like, I don't believe you and don't trust you, Dottie is the part in her who wants to do the right thing. So like Miss Hart is saying, stop it and telling Wanda, but it's Wanda in conflict of herself of like Mm -hmm. Wanda caused the choking. And then that good side of Wanda telling her to stop. And then she gives into that has vision, fix it. And then Mm -hmm. with Dottie, I don't believe you, but notice she goes into it trying to reconcile. I think we got off on the wrong foot. I want to fix it. So she's like trying to reconcile that part of herself to stay in this reality. And then Dottie gets hurt because she doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. And, and so so I feel like everybody in there is Wanda. Either if they're not, they're from the outside world or if there's a pushback. It's a part of Wanda's psyche that's pushing back within her own mind. And, and she's struggling and fighting with that. God, I love this show. I know, I know. And, that, and that's, to, to, now that I can't really go back to it, but it makes me want to go back to my pre-spoiler thoughts and say, even if maybe I wasn't as excited about this episode as the first two, it gives me enough to be excited about the whole, Yes. even if I wasn't okay with the part. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we basically have uh, the commercial to tackle. Right. And I don't know, I, I'm just going to be honest, I don't know if I have much to infer from this one as I did from the first two, but- I am starting to wonder if maybe the commercials are reality stone related because the first one I can't quite pin down to a reality stone because I think we were pretty spot on with uh, the ticking of a time bomb being a representation of her parents and the, the stark weapons. However, the second one had to deal with a watch, which to me could be the time stone. And then in this one, where they had the Hydra Soap, there, it almost looked like the Cosmic Cube to me. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Oh, that's the Tesseract. Yeah. So I wonder if they're laying a pattern that these are more Infinity Stone related than I was giving credit to it at first. Yeah. Okay. So my brother sent me a text, and I think I sent it to you. Yeah. And yeah. I, I saw it, and I got carried away. I forgot to f- watch the full gift. Okay. So this is Agent Coulson's dialogue. You ready? I'm sorry. Uh, just to reset it, that uh, Agent Coulson's dialogue from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Right. Right. Agent. I'm sorry. You're right. This is Agent Coulson's dialogue from Agents of Hydra. <laughs> yeah, well, it came from that storyline. Yeah. Where he says, the blue soap everyone uses, Hydra loads it up with chemicals. It seeps into our um, into our bloodstream and plants false memories into our brains. That's what that's what the what he says. In, in, in this yeah. context, he's a conspiracy theorist. So I like that they did, like, once I said that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is either they're making Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon <laughs> or they're or they're doing, like, the nod to the fans of the way Jarvis from Agent Carter was in Endgame. Right. Although Agent Carter is probably more canon than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, but There's less contradictory things in Agent Carter than there are yeah. in... Uh... Agents yeah. of Shield, but but so like yeah, I first thought is like oh it's the it's the Tesseract and she got her she got her powers from the Tesseract and from Hydra, we've already seen Struck. No, no, you're it right. It was from the Mind Stone. You're right. It was the Mind Stone. Yeah, you're right. It was the Mind Stone. It was the Scepter. Uh huh. Yeah, you're right. It was completely. But she got it from Hydra, <laughs> and the cube made me think of that. Yeah, you're 100 right. Yeah. I'm glad you stopped me there. But now I I love the connection to that to that blue soap. Like that's fantastic. Yeah. Also, also one of the best seasons in Agents of Shield too. Oh yeah. Yep, if I'm remembering the, that one correctly. Well, it was, because that was the second half where it was all a simulation and you had the life model decoys. 
and the yeah. first half had Ghost Rider. Spoilers. Which I thought are really well by this point. <laughs> by this point of this episode, they had their chance to to back out. True. You know. Uh, but no, I yeah, and I I enjoy what they did in Ghost Rider there. But yeah, so yeah, that so I like you said, I didn't get much out of that um, commercial, and I be honest, I think I liked the commercials of the other two episodes better than this one. Me too. So I'm just going to read my notes straight and then I'll jump into it because I think you just helped piece something together for me. Uh, This is what I wrote down. I'm really stumped to what the purpose of these commercials could mean to Wanda within the context of her being the center of this. We know she was born of Hydra, but why is Hydra continually seen in a good light in these two commercials? And so the what you piece together, I wonder if this is presenting Hydra in a good light because without Hydra experimenting on her, she never gets these powers. Maybe, again, if this is all subconsciously linked, subconsciously this is the her mind's way of saying, because they did this to me and I have these powers, I'm now able to create this world that I'm happy in. That's the only reason I can think of why. Yeah. I mean, because even like, like Hydra is Germany based. The soap says made in the USA. So there's clearly some sort of like changing of, of the viewpoint. Yeah. And so I really think that might be what it is. Because, again, it, I mean, it, even subconsciously, like, dreams are subconscious mm-hmm. and the details are never consistent that way. Yeah. So that's that could be what that yeah. is. I felt like the scenery behind her in the bathtub uh-huh. reminded me of Sokovia from Age of Ultron. Hmm. And it wasn't so much of like, oh, I can, like, go grab it. Like, I felt like that's what it reminded me of. That's what I felt like they were going for. But, yeah, like, so I feel like there's going to be something very more, much more purposeful with some of these commercials. Um, I know uh-huh. from interviews Elizabeth Olsen's done, they said they very, this show does explore her past and her getting her powers. And and so that's why I like, okay, these commercials are driving towards something and, and we're kind of piecing those things together. But this commercial in particular, it didn't do as much for me as the other two did. Because the other two, we talked about the, 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 the theme of paranoia, right? And that ticking yeah. into there and, and provide and, and adding to that theme of paranoia, the use of color only showing up in the first commercial for the first time in this, whereas this commercial just, is there something more there? I missed it and we'll need to watch again. It feels like there's something more to things we haven't gotten yet. And so just to set the scene, this commercial is advertising soap. And the way they, they do it is... Like, you know, this woman is clearly stressed from all her her daily activities and they are like, you, I forgot exactly what they said, but she says something to the extent of like, oh, you read my mind. And then it shows her taking a bath with the soap and then she's at peace. She's relaxed. And the tagline is release the goddess within. Yeah. And so, you know, reading minds, part of Wanda's powers, releasing the goddess within, clearly Wanda grows uh, exponentially more powerful from Hydra's interaction. And then... Even on top of that, another one of the taglines is for when you want to get away without going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's seemingly what's going on here. So that's what we, it almost feels like until we get a better picture of what's going on, this one's not going to unlock for us until then. Yeah. Well, in the notes, that's going to leave us, uh, is there any leftover points? Because I have uh, two that I wanted to bring up. No. Okay, so Thank you, the Sandy. thing. <laughs> All right, I'll make them quick. <laughs> no, so no, I mean I'm the teasing two things... you when I said that. Well, no, I, I'll make them quick anyway. Oh, one, actually, because... I do have, I do, I do have one. I do have one note. Uh, I was gonna say one. You cursed us because after this morning, this being the shortest episode so far, you text me like, "Oh yeah, this is probably not gonna be a long episode." Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably gonna be the longest one we've done so far. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, so here are my two quick points. One, uh, worth noting, whenever the doctor uh, is leaving, he says to Vision something like, 
uh, oh, you know, small towns, they're very hard to escape. Yeah. He says that line with a lot of dread. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's one of those situations where it's like, it it's being played one way, but if we ever get a pullback to the reality, that is a person in distress. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, he's trying to go on vacation. The car broke down. Yeah, absolutely. So a note that I had when we saw the 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 city town sign of Westview, I'm going to need to uh-huh. either find a way to get a to get a screenshot of that and look at it closely, or wait until one YouTubers that I watch breaks it down because I'd love to see more details of that sign because those there was the big sign and underneath it there was like four or five smaller signs, and the one on the far uh-huh. right was clearly like this big eyeball like this like that that whole all-seeing eye kind of thing and, and so it made me think of two things it made me a think of like the military base in new jersey where captain america was born right the birthplace of captain mm-hmm. america it made me think of like that's kind of stylistically what that sign was and um i could be wrong like if you, you know somebody's going to tweet me a picture of no that's the sign you're dumb but um <laughs> but like that's the feeling i got from it you know, it, uh-huh. it didn't feel very like city welcoming kind of sign, but that eye stuck out to me. Yeah. All right. So my last one, we know that a comic accurate Wanda is coming, whether it's dressed up like the Halloween costume or if it turns into something more worth noting, whenever she's reading a magazine in the opening credits, or I think a little bit later on past that, that magazine is very, the cover, the model on it is very reminiscent of Wanda's costume. Oh yeah. And it says the, the got, glamorous. Yeah. yeah. So that was fun to point out. Yeah. So it does make me wonder, we spent two episodes in basically late fifties, early sixties television. Uh-huh. This is mid to late sixties, early seventies genre. I'm curious if what next episode is going to be. If that's going to be uh-huh. another episode in that genre and we're doing two each, are we going to jump to the eighties in the next episode? Like visually and stylistically, as you mentioned from the trailer, we know we're going to get the comic book accurate. That uh-huh. feels more nineties in yeah. the way it looked. So I don't think that's coming just yet. Um, yeah. And at this point, now that we've had a character finally get ejected out of that reality and into the MCU, uh-huh. I'm wondering uh-huh. if episode four here is going to be the we're finally going to get more time outside. I'm I'm curious to see if that's what's what's about to happen. Would this fall under your predictions? Um yeah, let's uh cuz we were about we were about to set up predictions. I don't know if you want to group that in with whatever else you got if that puts you on the record here. Yeah, so let's do that. I I have a prediction for next episode. Uh-huh. Um and and kind of both Wait, you last time we asked what predictions were, your first one was I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, go ahead. Well, Sorry. No, I was going to say, we were both kind of right. We both expected something from the outside world, uh-huh. like like something coming out or coming in and having a little bit mm-hmm. more knowledge about who's watching. It's a bit of a stretch, but I feel like we can claim victory on that one. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we had Geraldine coming from the inside yeah. and then we got to mine by having Geraldine going right back to yeah. the outside. So there we go. We got it. Uh, so cool. Yeah. So let's let's do this. What are your project- predictions? So my predictions for next episode is that the large majority of it is going to be spent from the perspective of Vision doubting Wanda. Because it left on such a cliffhanger of, like, he can't trust her based on the way Agnes and Herb left them. I really think we're going to start to see a division between them two. Okay. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. it play out. So, yeah, I'm going to stick I'm gonna stick with mine. I'm going to say, prediction-wise, I feel like we're going to... You know what? I'm, I'm going to do mine, and I'm going to piggyback off of yours. I, I okay. think 
we're going to spend more time outside since we finally yeah. got ejected out to the side. You know, I think we're going to find out a little bit more about Vision. Yeah. And and what's going on with him from the outside world, though. Okay. Because I do still feel like there's ha- they, they play so much into him being him con- trying to convince that he's, you know, fits in. Uh-huh. And go back to that first episode when, like, production's productivity's up 300% and, and, and playing into him being a supercomputer. So I, I feel like that we're going to figure out his part a little bit more. So okay. that's my prediction for the episode. I do have a prediction for, like, a, like a long shot prediction. For, for yeah. something to happen at some point between now and the end. Okay. And now, since we also speculated that Mephisto might not be in it because it just seems uh, too obvious, uh-huh. I'm going to predict that Mephisto is not only in it, he will like shapeshift into both Quicksilvers, the one from the Fox universe hmm. and the one from the MCU, like in front of Wanda. Uh. I just think that that will. I mean, we're doing multiverse stuff. That will break hearts. We're doing multiverse stuff. Yeah. So yeah. So at some point, I think we're going to see that. Well, cool. All right. That uh, that shapes up our predictions. Yep. <sighs> this is great. I I I went into this thinking that there wasn't going to be too too much to dig into, but uh, we we really got into it, and I I liked it. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you have any thoughts or ideas for episode three or what's to come, you can always reach us at MCDNO on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to write us an email, you can always reach us at know at gmail.com. And if you'd be so kind to leave a rating and review, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, uh, it really helps us out having the feedback, uh, letting other people's, you know, seeing what you think. Uh, and of course, share with a friend. Uh, word of mouth is the best way to... Um, have these conversations. Yeah. And if you'd like to join a larger community of people who are also excited about the MCU and specifically WandaVision, you can always join our Discord, which is linked in the show notes below. We also want to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work linked in the description too, and you should definitely check it out. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much for doing this, Jake. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. No offense to the Tommies out there. I don't think I ever thought of Tommy's a good old American name, but <laughs> now nah, sorry, let's cut that part. Like, like <laughs> I we just alienated all Tommies that listen to this. <laughs> I just, I just, I, that honestly is what I thought. So let me let me say that again. Um, <laughs> we see our downloads go down to like ten. <laughs> we are Tommy. We are one. <laughs> I hope you know I'm trying so hard to keep making this funny so we have an intake. Oh, my gosh. So that means... Okay. Uh, Sorry. It's all right. <laughs>